there, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 32 with Spencer Ingram. Um, really cool conversation, a uh, connection made by a past podcast guest, Brian Leduc, uh, continuing the sort of conversation that we had there um, about the future of work and education. And uh, Spencer uh, is a uh, sort of self-proclaimed uh, imagination advocate, uh, and sort of a really important currency for people. Um just to kind of expand their uh, horizons and belief of what is possible for themselves and uh, uh, also talk about a lot of, uh, you know, the value of uh, side hustles and hobbies, which I appreciate, uh, and uh, yeah, just a lot of great recommendations of stuff to check out. Uh, uh, so definitely uh, poke into the show notes for this episode for all that goodness, and I uh, yeah, just really appreciate Spencer's time here and all that he shared. So uh, yeah, just strap in, and after a brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 32 with Spencer Ingram. Hey there, listeners. It's an honor to have our good friends at Swiftcake be a sponsor of the podcast because I've seen their work firsthand, and it's truly unlike any student leadership training I've experienced. They've been voted Best Student Leadership Program unprecedented five times, so you know they must be doing something right. As a bonus for our listeners, SwiftKick is giving a $500 discount off their normal speaking fee if you mention High Red Geek when you contact them. I highly recommend their trainings for your campus as your students will be talking about it for months afterwards. It's really great stuff. Check them out at SwiftKickHQ.com to learn more and let them know I sent you. Now, back to the show. Because I was looking at your LinkedIn, it's just a very, very mm-hmm. interesting path. I'll be curious to hear more about in the body of the episode. But I guess like, so do you, you just work as, um, I think the one time when we did, we talked uh, uh, about looping method stuff, like you just work out of like co-working spaces usually? Yes. Uh, so I have an office, like a private office um, with one of my past clients mm-hmm. who has extra space. Um, and then I, I typically work out of a bouldering gym. <laughs> Yeah, it has a shared office. It's not marketed as shared office space, so it's it's minimal use through about you know midday. Uh, so it's super quiet in the morning. Uh, and it, I don't know about you, but co-working spaces can be quite expensive. And this place is a hundred bucks. Well, it runs maybe seventy five dollars a month on the subscription. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, because <laughs> I think it, it's uh, like I appreciate co-working spaces and i like them but yeah i think it is starting to be where like like it is expensive to kind of like you know operate that real estate uh because it's almost like victims of their own success i guess of just like if they make an area more appealing and it you know i don't know just makes it more expensive because like more is getting built up or something i don't know i feel like it could just be like a weird thing where like you might be like oh we're just gonna get this cheap place but then like stuff gets built around and now it's more valuable so then like the rent goes up or something but um yeah that's my, my theory yeah um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um, not the best place for taking video calls, <laughs> um, but otherwise it works great. I mean, I can just hop down and I mean, there's a full gym and day lockers and everything, and so I, I, mean, I like that. It gives me a a place. I found that routine's really important when you mm-hmm. work for yourself. You've got to kind of create uh, a day job. <laughs> Uh, so I go to the office and it just, it changes everything versus staying at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I could be productive to a point at home and there's always like distractions and other stuff. So yeah, it's nice to, um, I guess, yeah, still create that routine, go to a place and like make sure you're, uh, kind of keeping yourself honest that way. Uh, 
So yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, dive in here. I uh, appreciate you uh, making time for this episode, Spencer, and uh, really curious to hear more about your journey, kind of what's on your mind and what you enjoy about the work that you do and kind of what you're geeking out about and stuff. So we'll get right to it. Uh, if you just want to start us off, though, with a uh, brief introduction and kind of your professional journey and how you got to be uh, where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Dustin. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I am Spencer Ingram, and I run a small studio that builds largely open source tools for career development. Uh, one of our, our leading platforms is called the Looping Method, and I'm a co-author into that. Um, what's nice about making it open source is we have many practitioners who are co-authors now, and that's really exciting to see them adopt the tools into their special uses, everything from college uh student affairs, career counselors, and into the workplace as well. So my journey started uh, in college. I'm a first-generation college student. I went to school in 2003, and I went to the engineering school. Um, and I was super lucky to go to a, a really a great top public school, but I quickly found myself falling behind, or, or at least feeling like I was behind um, to my peers. And I, I was spending every night just solving problem sets and never really making anything. And I'm a, I'm a big STEM maker, and it just was no imagination and burnout very quickly. So I started getting pretty depressed. And the pivotal moment came when I dropped out of college. Hmm. And, and that just that changed my whole path. And I started to learn how to take responsibility for my education. And that put me on the path to everything I do today and learning to solve problems when paths are unclear. So I did go back to school um, and I completed a degree, I ended up getting a master's degree even, um, because I, I love science and technology, I have degrees in both, uh, but I, I wrestled my way through higher ed to make it what I wanted it to be. Um, and that, of course, coincided with the, the uh, collapse of Lehman Brothers. And so we enter into a workforce of just crazy uncertainty and job losses. So that from that period in college and dropping out and emerging in that economy, I've spent most of my time since then building these types of tools around starting people. And that's brought me to the work I do today with these open source tools. Very cool. Well, and I'm very curious, it segues very well to our uh, next question uh, of just like your college experience. So, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people that listen to this and that I've interviewed, you know, work in higher ed proper and you work with a lot of higher ed folks and, um, you know, you have an interesting path for your own college experience and, you know, dropping out, going back and like, you know, uh, through all of the experiences you had, you know, it led you generally um, on the path you are now. But I guess digging deeper with that, what are some experiences maybe like, that decision point to drop out and then like what it was like to come back. And, you know, if you really were um, going about things differently, I assume you were, you know, when you returned, it's just, just talk more specifically about your college experience and what that journey was like and what it gave you, you know, personally and or professionally that you still kind of use today. If it's like an anecdote or just sort of like a, I don't know, like a memorable quote or something, or, you know, somebody who was influential, <laughs> any, any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. My, my most valuable parts of college came from the non-academic pursuits. Uh, the school I went to, I went to the University of Virginia, and there were programs like university programs, councils, you know, just the things to get involved in that were very student self-directed. 
And that's where I met uh, my my peers. Super lucky, again, to just have be surrounded by these driven, smart peers. And then it was supported by you know the the non faculty staff, you know the student affairs type staff. And I owe so much of my uh, the value of my experience to those people. Um, many of them are still in higher ed and doing continue to do incredible work. Uh, because they were they were looking at me through the whole person, and especially when you're <laughs> leaving school, you know they made sure that there wasn't anything concerning, and just a lot of coaching happened. So I I found that to be va- most valuable, and it's hard to find sometimes you know in communities outside of academia, where inside academia they have dedicated roles for that job, mm-hmm. um, and that's part a big part of you know when I came back, um, you know, I recognized the value of the alumni experience, the school has an incredible alumni community, super give first, you know, we're here for whenever people need help. And that, that attitude and mentality, uh, I, I always really respected and appreciated and wanted to be a part of, but I would say that so much of it was just community in, in what I gained from my college experience. But that, and that adds up personally, my personal growth, but also professionally. And I connect regularly with alumni it's my you know first point of contact for getting help yeah it's powerful yeah and i think um i mean i've honestly like i i kind of am involved from afar with my undergrad which was like a huge you know hugely influential place for me as well and um i think yeah it can be it can be tough to find ways to get involved but i think on, on one hand it's it's it could be on like us and, you know, we can control our world and our lives and our actions and stuff is like, yeah, like seeking them out and reaching out and following up and keeping in touch and that sort of thing. So I think if somebody reached out to me, I would be more than happy to help. But otherwise it's like, we all just lead, you know, busy, full lives. And, uh, you know, my involvement from afar is, you know, the occasional small donation when they're doing like a specific, you know, drive or something. And, you know, they had like a recent, uh, sort of like giving day and stuff, but, yeah, it's great that that network's been, you know, so supportive to you and, um, yeah, just like nurtured that appreciation, which I've, uh, I think can just had continually compound in terms of just like valuing, like a good coach, somebody looking out for you, somebody guiding you, somebody helping you. Um, and that certainly like, as we, you know, enter into our kind of full-time career lives after school, uh, we don't have that as much, but you just have to try to seek it out. I know that's part of the work that you're doing is trying to help people, you know, coach people in like a career context, like getting some of that clarity and everything. So, you know, talk a little bit more about that. And I'll I'll say just so folks kind of know to look for it in the show notes, I'll include um, the link out to one of our recent previous episodes with Brian LaDuck, who is a collaborator of yours kind of uh, for the looping method stuff that you're doing now. So, um, yeah, I guess talk more, you know, like what you enjoy most about your current work and kind of digging into that a little bit deeper and kind of what, what got you into it, you know, in terms of like actually being like, okay, this is what I'm going to like really dedicate, you know, out of all the things that you could do, you know, like what, what are you going to, like, why did you want to dedicate your full-time attention to this sort of stuff? I, I love that question of all the things you could do because that's, <laughs> that truly is the case, right? There's so much you can do. Our, our awareness of what's possible is so limited and the work that I do is a often first targeted at ex- expanding people's awareness and that confidence in what they can do. So wh- why I do what I do in starting people, it started in 2012. Um, and this goes back to the importance of alumni. But we created a student accelerator program 
for college students at UVA, and that's really grown in the last six years uh, to a multi-hundred-person student program. Uh, We have just the most incredible leadership there. We have students who have graduated and and become part of the the, the team, the staff, and um, it just reflects so much of what I found valuable about my undergraduate experience, but it augments the new student experience today in teaching those entrepreneurial skills, the things that I have learned since leaving school and wish I had had a place to go cultivate. So that program uh, teaches a lot of entrepreneurial skills. We don't expect people to be entrepreneurs. We teach them about that self-directed uh, responsibility for their for their learning, knowing that that's what you are going to need for the rest of your life. Uh, it's a lot about handling that the new norm of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so what I love so much about that work, uh, well, now I have students who are alumni, which is even, this is so wonderful. And we have alumni connecting to the ongoing students. They come through Austin. I'm able to connect with them. And I, I, I get so much of a reward from that uh, kind of legacy. Uh, but in the moment, in the the practice and the experience working with students and even the work today, uh, there's an aha that happens, you know, when they, when they see what they're capable of, when they learn how to create their own rules, (laughs) when they learn what they can control in the world and like craft into the world and become problem solvers and like, like truly think critically. So I I find that to be some of the most rewarding, and it, it may lead into I'm gonna maybe get on a little soapbox here, but it leads me to the thing that I geek out so much about right now, which is a crisis of imagination. Mm. <laughs> I just I find in the work, whether it's with students or with you know VP you know professionals in VP roles, there is a crisis of imagination. And we have a lot of problems to solve. So, you know, if we can cultivate more of that imagination, that environment that helps uh, show people where new ideas really come from, give them permission and give them the tools to create and and, and make a mess and, and, you know, mess things up even. You know, that's what Hacksieville was so much about. And you go in there now, every wall in that house, there's two houses across the street from the university, that this is this is a uh, independently operated organization. There are every wall, every every surface is adorned with artifacts from the student experience. P- students who have, have made things, everything from the murals to the the bits and pieces, and the you know um, the digital and the physical. So it's it's all about this permission that's created and cultivating that imagination because we are in desperate need of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a little nugget of wisdom right there. I think everyone should uh, take it and absorb it. Yeah. Just like, cause I think, you know, my, my angle on it is sort of that, like the intersection of like um, passions and strengths to like what we're naturally good at and what we're into. But then it's also like, you could still kind of get boxed in that way. And I think like a little sprinkle that sort of like, you know, as a catalyst and a little, you know, a little pizzazz on there is like, yeah, like imagination. Cause I think, you know, the world wants to, you know, uh, put things into patterns and just like, you know, structure it, but then it, you know, can become like stifling. And I think, yeah, like you were saying, like sort of thinking critically and like 
making your own rules, which some of them can be, you know, if you grew up a certain way and certain values or like, you know, different things, it's just the idea that almost like you come to it on your own versus just doing it because it's this external formula. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, um, having that sort of point of view. And, um, I think, like you said, that's, that's the sort of stuff where it's like, yeah, you're not trying to be like, everybody should start their own thing and try to make startups or whatever. It's just like, no, it's, it's, you know, maybe there'll be a different term for it in the future, but it is that just like entrepreneurial mindset, you know, and that it is something, something that, you know, you can kind of be that like entrepreneur in different organizations. You don't have to be the person in charge. You can just be like, you know, the person with imagination likes coming up with ideas, likes building things and creating stuff. So, um, yeah. And I can imagine, yeah, all that stuff just being really rewarding of, you know, kind of seeing the fruits of your labor and, uh, you know, students kind of paying it forward and helping each other and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I guess, yeah, you, you certainly geek out about that stuff, which I love. And, um, I guess just to add maybe then like the, uh, like a little bit of like the personal side, like what are, what are some of the things like personally that you like geek out about and like the things that you're into and, you know, we'll get into any sort of like resources and other like specific stuff you might want to recommend, but like just kind of in broad strokes, like what, what's kind of capturing your attention right now and, uh, has having you geek out about it. Yeah, you know, there's tends to be this this broad, or maybe it's there's a, there's a lot of conversation around the future of work, mm-hmm. and people wanting to define what that's going to look like and predict it. And in my opinion, the future of work is now, you know, and it's day by day. This stuff is always going to change. I'm not worried about predicting that. You know, I think it's there's a mindfulness and responsibility to it for sure, but. Uh, you know, I would rather I geek out about what people are doing now in the now who probably don't ever talk about the future of work, but are pioneering their own paths. And that that gets me so excited. I mean, this this goes from the student to the professional. And, you know, we saw this at Haxieville, uh, the language that we use. We always struggled over the word entrepreneurship to, to your comment a moment ago about the entrepreneurial mindset or entrepreneur you know, we never found there was there isn't maybe a word for how to describe this best, but that oftentimes we found students who were extremely entrepreneurial, maybe running their Etsy shop and paying for their college tuition, but didn't think of themselves as an entrepreneur, so they were never folded into, into the story. Mm-hmm. So I, I geek out on those people. Uh, you know, I follow. I'm a big mountain biker, so I follow a few folks on YouTube who are just average Joes and Janes that are, that, you know, had regular, you know, nothing special about their jobs or work that make, makes them any different than you and I, other than the guts that they put in to building this new pathway for themselves in what some of us or the talking heads might say the future of work, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in who's on the front lines, like just creating that path. So I geek out about those, those people and those stories. Yeah, very cool. Um, well, I guess then with, with those things that you geek out about, like what are ways that anything that you've been into has like positively contributed to your life? And I mean, the thing that I'm, I'm maybe I'm hoping for, like, you know, uh, I'm curious if it's happened for you is like, cause I think, you know, whether it is like movies or TV or video games or something, or just like, you know, connecting with people. I know, like <laughs> I keep saying this to Brian when I talk about him, like when I met him, 
you know, he's been such a great like catalyst for just like good energy. And I think, you know, that is certainly something that I love is just talking with people about the things that are into or just talking to people that have that imagination and just kind of, you know, open to the potential of things. But I guess like, have you, you know, and maybe like how, how you met Brian, you know, that's our shared connection why we're here recording this podcast. But like that idea of like the those affinities that you have, you know, the things that you're geeking out about, like how have they contributed to your life? Have they brought people into your life or how, you know, mm. um, just kind of framing it that way, I guess, of that, that value that this, these interests that you've had, you know, have they kind of, uh, you know, added value to your life? Yeah. Well, on the topic of, a crisis of imagination. I'm extremely protective of my imagination. <laughs> Not saying I have a good one, but I know, I know what the enemy of imagination is. And if I'm, if I'm too full of stress or max or just packing my time with work and not creating space for play, then I'm not protecting my imagination. And so another big thing I'm looking at and where I geek out is finding, you know, combinatorial ideas so i find inspiration by combining things from other places Mm -hmm. to solve what i'm working on now it's maybe completely unrelated you know if i want to help solve for some challenges in workplace learning uh, i maybe not i maybe don't just read books about learning and development or organizational design or behavior you know i might be looking to places completely unrelated who aren't having those conversations so i'm geeking out a little bit um, again, the YouTube's really amazing YouTube channels and creators. I love those. I love the access of that. I think it's also super key, you know, that we live in a world now where we have this unprecedented access to tools for learning and making and sharing. And it's our responsibility to, to use those to elevate ourselves, to, to continue our, our, our learning. So I, I like the YouTube space. Um, I, you know, we work just acquired Meetup, um, and I love what Meetup has done. Uh, and and when I go to a new city, or you know, I moved to Austin four years ago, that was the place I went looking and finding you know my people and who I could uh, geek out with. So that's been great. Um, I also love, I also love you know taking my own medicine. So all the tools that we create around the, the looping method. Uh, I use on myself, you know, and I pressure test. And uh, one of my favorites is uh, is a volunteer hack where I find events and I just go make myself valuable there. And then you you are literally given a tag, a pass to meet people. Um, so I always love doing that one locally and making myself uh, helpful. Uh, but you again, you find places for those combinatorial ideas, um, which then you know create the aha moments and inspiration for new things in your work so i i I, maybe i'm scratching the surface there but i I don't have like maybe one thing where i'm like oh my gosh this thing is the best right now (laughs) but like it's these tools like we just live in this world full of amazing tools almost overwhelmingly so um actually you know what i tell you what i i am geeking out on one tool in a big way right now it's called loom l-o-o-m and loom is a browser extension for creating uh, quick videos from your browser uh, it's Chrome extension, and uh, so it gives you the little head, you know, your little little video in the circle, um, so you can see yourself talking. You can just record over images on your screen, so it makes this a super quick and dirty tool for sending uh, messages. A lot of use cases, but I use it for sending authentic communication to people to show them something 
that maybe we've never even met or talked to in the first place. Like if I want to send a cold um, contact, a cold email, it's coming with a video that I made personally for you. You know, and I found that tool to just, be, just change the way that we're communicating and not have to overthink it. So that's what I'm geeking out on for sure. I, I, I love that tool. Yeah. Well, I can see, yeah, just like, you know, it's a cool tool. And sometimes like, I do that. I just kind of dabble with stuff and not really know, like, like what am I going to do with this? But like you said, like, if you're, you know, just trying to do outreach and like build connections with, you know, potential clients or collaborators or just, you know, whoever it, you know, video and seeing someone's face talk to you is like, you know, it's the ultimate thing. It's way more personal. And, you know, it's not just, you know, a fun tool to mess around with. It has that you know, it adds that value to your life. And, you know, yeah, any of the other stuff, I, I'm totally on board of just like, you know, being a part of the world and doing different things and meeting people and all that, like the value that that adds, like any, you know, that kind of stuff that you could get about, you know, in my experience, and that's exactly what you said too, like, you know, it just gives you those little sparks of inspiration because you're just like, you know, amidst different people and just in the world. And then, yeah, you just kind of like, mash things up and it's just like, Oh, it's this thing with this thing. You know, what if you put, you know, these two things together or whatever. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's always a good spark for inspiration. Just, uh, you know, being amidst people who, you know, whether their interests that you share with them or, you know, something completely different, you can be inspired. And, um, yeah, it's always, uh, really nice that way. Well, I guess, you know, in that spirit of recommending loom, which that sounds like a very cool tool, um, anything else that, you know, maybe a tool or just stuff that you're, um, reading, watching, listening to, um, you know, like what are you consuming, uh, lately or just some, maybe like your all time favorite uh, stuff, uh, anything that you'd want to recommend that we can include in the show notes. Sure. So I, I've been listening to Adam Grant's new podcast called work life. Uh, they come in at the half hour mark. Um, uh, and then I listen to them on, you know, 1.25 speed. So they're like the perfect link. <laughs> um, and then I listened to, or I've been reading Daniel Cable's new book, Alive at Work. And uh, Daniel Cable is a social psychologist and professor of organizational behavior at uh, the London Business School. So I, I really love that it's grounded in a lot of science uh, and how we learn, how we want to behave, what motivates us. You know, you're going to need a little bit of like the Daniel Pink kind of um style in there uh, of the research uh, around positive psych um, which then makes me think about Sean Aker's work uh, I have not picked up Sean Aker's new book um, Big Potential but I'm hearing really great things about it I, I absolutely love his book The Happiness Advantage mm -hmm. again grounded in so much great uh, research um, tied to tied to you know real world case studies and uh, just it's a it's a it's a Small read. It's a short book, but I've found it to be much more of a, re a reference book, uh, where I can just go back and, and just read similar stories again with new frames of mind as I'm working on a different problem. I, I tag the pages a lot, so I just can flip through, and I find that book just be uh, uplifting in a lot of ways you know? mm -hmm. uh, and affirming. So I, I love those three, um, especially right now. Of course, those are super centered, right, aimed at the work that I'm doing. Um, I like, uh, Chris Gillibo's podcast. He's been doing it now for a year, over a year. It was the side hustle school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is a big one because I, I love the idea about diversifying your income. Um, I have a lot of points of view on employee learning based on notions of a side hustle. 
and he he gives one every day. He has a podcast, which is a case study of someone's uh, side hustle. They have to make be making a minimum of five hundred dollars a month, and sometimes many magnitudes more than that. But what I love about it is they're super short. They're like ten minutes long, and and they give you the this radical awareness, right? Where you, you know you read the, the the title of the podcast and the show notes, and you're like, "How is that a thing?" You know, <laughs> and it just that's what I love about it so much is that you, then I can bring little the case studies into stories that I share, you know, just lifted directly from there. And, you know, you just learn the wildest thing that people are doing and it shows you how little we know about, uh, what, or how, how much we limit ourselves in our own minds about what's possible for ourselves. So I think those are super cool as a great resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all great stuff. And yeah, I'm just, I can only imagine, yeah, like some of the stuff on there. Cause I mean, like in a very small way, like I just moved to Baltimore and they have a really nice like uh, farmer's market and bazaar that we've gone to the past couple of weeks. And there's just all these vendors that are like, you know, obviously selling food and, you know, they're uh, like farms and stuff, but then like just local artisans making soap and dog treats and like little <laughs> notebooks and art and like, you know, just all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good definition of like a legit side hustle because I think a lot of people like which it's just, it's whatever you want to make of it. You define success for yourself, but like, you know, you might not be making any money off of it. So, it, you know, really be more of like a, you know, a volunteer project or something. But then like, yeah, if you're making like $500 a month, again, like not really enough to live on, but it's like, that's a legit kind of side hustle, like, you know, side project. And, you know, if it's, yeah, kind of enabling people to feel, um, which again, you don't need that permission, but just maybe being inspired by other people that, yeah, their example is like, yeah, I, I did it with this thing. And, you know, I know, um, I think that's, you know, something that's going to be really valuable because I know a lot of people are kind of like in that mindset where like, maybe you, you never, again, defining success for yourself, like you would never want it to be your full-time job. And maybe it could, it could, it would be really hard to make it that, but if you want it to be like a legit fulfilling thing that's, you know, I would assume, you know, a lot of people's projects, they would want to be out into the world and, you know, consumed by people and all that. It's like, you know, yeah, see how other people did it, you know, and just kind of, um, yeah, kind of go from there. So I think that is a very good recommendation. Um, yeah, I'm going to yes and that too, because they're starting from a place of, I need, I'm going to find a side hustle in order to, you know, make a certain income goal or, or quit my job. I mean, that's a that's a challenging place to start from as opposed to sort of stumbling onto the side hustle you know, going at it from a hobby perspective where and if you listen to many of the side hustle school stories they 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 ended up with a side hustle <laughs> they didn't mm -hmm. they didn't set out on that mission and so the the point of of sharing that is that it's it's reflection of reality but it's it's that reality because there's an importance of exploration and it's really, really hard to uh, pre-design this, a perfect side hustle. Um, and so I, I would always encourage people to just start from a place where that's not the expectation um, that you will evolve what you learn to get there and probably change the nature of your side hustle in some ways, but start with just getting, getting the, the consistency of the hobby moving and that already alone, that takes so much guts. <laughs> and to put something into the world 
is scary. So once you do that, you, you end up creating these pathways. And those, those are the pathways that the world can come and, cr- and bring you serendipity. And that's where your side hustle will, will emerge from, the serendipitous moments, because you took this, this artifact, this thing you created, and you shared it with the world as your side hustle. Um, so there, to me, like, that's, where, that's how you're going to manage this, this great uncertainty in the future, is by learning to become that maker and having that confidence. And that's why I say, you know, you want to do employee learning and development programs, help, help them set up their Etsy store, you know, <laughs> they're not going to quit their job over the, the Etsy store in the, in the near term. And if they do, they were going to quit anyways, eventually, you know, mm-hmm. like, wouldn't it be great if they quitted out of success of their Etsy store? They're going to credit the employer for that. Either way, that person's always got a foot out the door, you know, and in the process of building that Etsy store, they are going to build an incredible confidence of just getting that thing into the world. They're going to learn all the skills and tactics and things that you want them to do in learning and development, but it's going to be intrinsically motivated. And it's going to be dealing with uncertainty and problem solving. They're going to seek out help. They're going to, which can come from inside your company or outside. They're going to learn to market it. You know, whatever the, the particular skills and communication, everything that's required, they package into setting up an Etsy store. You know, or any you know, dozens of other examples that aren't like turning on an LMS system and reading the leadership module. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a rant there, but you know what I mean? It's <laughs> no, like, no, no wonder it's, it's learning is so boring. <laughs> right. Um, because yeah, like, yeah, it can be like, cause like I said, I like playing with different tools and I think some of the, you know, uh, side projects that I have, like allow me to have a reason to use them or something. And like, you can learn things. So like, things will come up and be like, Oh yeah, I've used that before. Well, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And, you know, just like, um, yeah, it could be beneficial that way. And then like, yeah, just like getting into it. And I think Brian said essentially the same thing is just like, you know, you can enter into certain spaces to almost just like test things in a very low risk way because yeah, like my point of view is like, it would probably make it very not fun and it's super stressful and very high stakes. If yeah, you go into something being like, this is going to be like able to replace my full-time job. Like this is going to be like, you know, make like, a, you know, it's like this million dollar idea or something like overnight. And it's like, that is like such an exception and that's why it's noteworthy. And there are these sort of like, you know, stories that we all hear um, like they're notable because they're exceptions. And I like, that's not like the formula that everybody needs to, to follow. So um, yeah, it's all, all really good stuff, really good advice. And, yeah. um, uh, we will, uh, wrap up the episode here though. Uh, as we always do, if you just want to share something, uh, something or things, uh, that you are looking forward to in your job, life and, or the world. I get married this fall. So that's one <laughs> a big one. Yep. That's a, that's a big be, one. You'd be in trouble if you didn't say it probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And, uh, you know, I'm working on a, Brian and I are working on this, this project together around uh, a decidedly non-tech approach to learning in the workplace. And, and we almost deliberately try to go the opposite direction of what, whatever the norm is, <laughs> just to challenge ourselves. And uh, it's proving to be, it's proving to create a, a really great platform for prototyping and inviting co-creation because you can move very quickly when things are uh, sort of like play and physical and right in front of you. And uh, so that's something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we want to we be able to bring a lot of that play and imagination back to learning. 
Um, and we're, we'll be piloting some stuff with General Assembly. Uh, so that's super exciting for me. Again, I don't know what the future holds in, in, with that regard. I mean, I, I met Brian just a few months ago because we had a cold outreach from someone in higher ed that wanted to bring these tools in and train folks. And that's not what I was doing at the time. And Brian and I have started working since then and have just been following the serendipity and, and following the signals. So, you know, I, I just truly believe in setting yourself up to to put those pathways in the world and uh, create value for other people. So we're going to keep doing that this year and see where it takes us. Very cool. Um, so yeah, we'll link out to, um, you know, uh, looping method and, um, the, you know, the work that you're doing currently and ways for folks to connect with you and all the uh, other stuff that we mentioned in this episode. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's to come and, um, I'm glad that we have, uh, you know, mutual connection there and that we're able to, to chat here. It's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of good stuff for people to chew on and to to think about. And um, yeah, I think that, that takeaway of just like the future of education is happening now. Like we're not, I think it's like, and it's permeating, it's just rippling out. It's like, you know, it's influencing and changing so much. So I think people really need to be mindful of that and just like, you know, lifelong learning and just rethinking, yeah, those paradigms, those formulas and, um, you know, what they believe their potential can be and like what they, you know, what sort of life they want to have and, those sort of things and, you know, what kind of good they want to put out into the world. So, um, you know, all, uh, all good vibes to end on here. So, um, yeah, really appreciate your time, Spencer. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Dustin. I really, really enjoyed it. This podcast is a proud member of the connect edu podcast network, bringing together diverse voices and thoughtful discussions to the higher ed community. Check us out online at connectedu.network or on Twitter at connectedupod. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.